0: Good morning, Hope Church. So good to be with you on this Memorial Day weekend. I am, uh, I am ready for Memorial Day weekend. I actually wore my patriotic American flag socks. You see that? See that? I'm, uh, I'm ready to barbecue. But you know... I would be amiss as your pastor if we didn't just take a moment to recognize why we celebrate this weekend. Oftentimes in the midst of our grilling and camping and hanging out, we, we forget to remember why we're celebrating what we celebrate. And and really it's, it's a celebration, but it's also a mourning. And I know recognize that there's a lot of you who have lost loved ones as they served in the military. And so we just wanna um, honor those and grieve with those and pray for those. So I just wanna take a moment before I get into the message this morning, just to pray for the families of those who have lost loved ones uh, as they've served this great country. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the men and women who've risked their lives, given their lives, so that we can be afforded the freedom to live in the United States of America and to be here together to worship you in that freedom. Father, today we just take a moment out of our service to remember those who have done that and to pray for loved ones who have lost uh, people close to them because of their sacrifice of serving this country in the military. Father, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you just comfort them? Would you come alongside them and give them peace and comfort them today? In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, I also want you to know that um, if you've been coming to church, uh, Hope Church for a little while, you know that um, you know I have a really a uh, heart and passion for this nation, believe that we're kind of at a crossroads in this nation, believe that the people of God, the church need to pray for this nation. and so I've been taking time out of our services to do just that, to pray together. I also want you to know that um, we have some resources to help you. I believe that the church needs to rise up for such a time as this and to not just pray for our nation, but also get involved in our nation. I don't think it's enough for us to not be happy. I think many of us would agree. We're not happy with uh, the direction of this nation, even in light of some of the events that have happened this past week of the shootings in Texas and, and the loss of innocent lives of young people who have been robbed of a future and their loved ones from experiencing that future with them. I, would, I think that we would agree that we're not happy with the state of our country, and yet it's not good enough just to complain about it on Facebook or to blame people when we have a God-given right and a responsibility to share in shaping this nation. And so I just wanna encourage you as your pastor, I'm not gonna tell you how to vote, but I wanna encourage you to vote. And that uh, next Tuesday is some important primary elections And I want to encourage you to go out and vote and find out what the people that you're going to vote for, what their values are. And we want to help you with that too, by the way. In fact, we have a a seminar coming up pretty soon called Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. And really that seminar is to help you as you're trying to navigate through our world and trying to figure out your place as a citizen of the United States, but more importantly as a citizen of heaven. Amen? Amen. And, uh, and what our biblical responsibility is in that citizenship. So I wanna encourage you. There's a booth set up out in our lobby and they'll also have a, a voter's guide that helps you because I know it can be challenging knowing what people value and how to vote. So we wanna be able to give you resources to help you do that. But get out and vote and pray for our nation. Amen? Amen. On this Memorial Day weekend. So glad that you're here. I'm gonna jump into the message um, this morning and if, you, uh, if you've been around Hope Church, and I know many of you are new to Hope Church, I just want to invite you to jump right in. We're in the middle of this message series called Everyday Saints. And uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm wearing my, my uh, I bought this <laughs> Always a Saint on Sunday t-shirt. And I bought this uh, t-shirt on a trip to New Orleans, because that's how you say it. You don't say New Orleans. I learned that down there in the bayou. Uh, you say New Orleans. It's kind of like one word. Okay, little lesson, if you don't get anything out of it, look, look what you've learned already today. And uh, in that trip, I just saw this shirt and I loved it. I thought it, was, I thought it was funny, but I also think it's representative of how many of us live the Christian life. It's like we come to church on Sunday and on Sunday we're saints and we, we follow Jesus, we worship Jesus on Sunday, but more importantly, The Christian life and following Jesus isn't just about coming to church. It isn't just about reading your Bible. It isn't just about doing some good things. It isn't just about um, doing your Bible app, devotion in the morning. It's actually this in the first message that I brought to you, that you are a saint set apart for a purpose to make a difference every day. It's not just about Sunday. It's about Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single day. God has called you and me to make an eternal difference in the lives of other people. And yet that's where most of us get lost. In fact, even when I say you're a saint, a lot of us, that's where we stop right there. Whoa, 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 Pastor Lance. Now that might be good for you or for some of your elders of your church or leaders, but don't put me in that category. I'm not good enough and that's where we make the mistake can I give you a secret of the Christian life you've never been good enough and you never will be good enough I will never be good enough it's not about our goodness it's about the goodness of Jesus Christ and when he went to the cross he took on all your badness all your sin nailed it to the cross forgave you but he didn't stop there He also imputed to you, which means he took on all your sin and all your badness, all your weakness, all your limitation, and he gave you and I this gift called grace. Something we don't deserve. He took all his goodness and his sinful life and he said, I want to give this to you. And this is exactly why when Paul was trying to encourage the churches in the New Testament Every book that Paul would write, he would start out with a greeting. I, Paul, chosen by God. He recognized that Paul, he recognized something that you need to recognize. He was set apart and called by God for a specific purpose. He was, Paul's specific purpose was that he was called to be an apostle. And then he said something significant. He would say to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Philippi. And let me tell you something, it wasn't because they deserved to be called saints. And so oftentimes we think of of being a saint as we're so much better, we're holier, we're better people than we deserve. And the the truth is, yes, it's true. Paul was trying to get them to understand something that I'm trying to get you to understand as your pastor. And that is this, that yes, we don't deserve to be called saints. Trust me, the people in Corinth did not deserve to be called saints. You wanna talk about problems in the church? Oh, they had problems, all right. I mean, a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law. They're eating the communion bread, like for dinner, not just like taking communion. Like they're eating the communion bread. They had all kinds of problems with sin and weakness and limitations and flaws, just like we do today. And yet Paul said to the saints in Corinth. And I believe we need to have a revolution of everyday saints. That when we get the understanding that we can identify that God has called me and has set me apart. Do you know the word holy? Just like we sang today, the word holy actually means to be set apart for a specific purpose. And so when I say that you're a saint set apart for a purpose to live out every day, that's what it means to be a saint. And yet for many of us, we disassociate ourselves and we take out of the equation that God can use you to make a difference for eternity every single day. So I wanna help you. Today's title of my message is called Discover Your Purpose. Discover your purpose. A Couple of weeks ago, I talked to you that I was gonna have a specific message that would kind of help you as you cannot live out your purpose every single day as a saint without knowing what that purpose is. And yet statistics say that 87% of people in church don't know what their specific purpose is. And so what do you know? Well, let me just tell you that uh, oftentimes, I think even in churches, we could get lost in trying to discover our specific purpose and miss the fact that we already know some things that we are called to do. What are those things, Pastor Lance? Well, let me just tell you. Number one is you're called to be like Jesus. That's part of your purpose. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're called to become progressively more and more like him. And that just doesn't happen overnight. It happens as you get to know God more and you continually walk with him in your relationship with him every single day, you become progressively, and as you obey him and obey his word, you become progressively more and more like Jesus. What else do we know? We're now we're supposed to share Jesus with people. We're supposed, that's part of our calling. And that last message that I gave you, if you missed it, it's called the great omission, because I believe that we are omitting the great commission out of our lives. And in the process, we're missing out on part of our purpose in Christ, to share Jesus with people. In fact, um, let me tell you a cool story. Last week, um, I got to go up to Eureka to celebrate three years of us starting Hope Eureka. And uh, yeah, you can clap for that, celebrate that, because it's a big deal. In fact, uh, the whole COVID season almost took us out. I mean, we were struggling. I was telling the church up there, and I got emotional because I remember preaching two services here, going up there, preaching a service in the afternoon, and sometimes I was preaching to 16, 18 people. And this voice in my head, even some of my own staff were questioning, hey, Pastor Lance, should we keep doing this? Is it, you know, I mean, and, and I, I get it. It didn't look like maybe we should continue to invest in it. And I took 30 days and I said, God, I need to seek you. I need to know, are you in this? Because I don't want to sustain something in my own strength that you're not in. (laughs) I'm not interested in that. But if you're in it, then I know this thing can't fail. And so I never felt like he released me. And you, as a church, I just want to commend you. (laughs) Thank you for praying. Thank you for investing. Thank you for believing with me because we just celebrated three years and I'll tell you, the church is in the best place it's ever been. Healthy, growing, new families added every week. And I got a cool testimony. As I was preaching up there at the end of the service, just like I'm gonna do today, I I presented an offer to receive Jesus and a surrender life to him. And as I, I gave that invitation, I saw in the very back row this man's hand just kind of go up like this. (laughs) And I said, raise that hand high if this is a decision that you want to make and commit to. And he went from here to, and I'm like, come on. And I led him in this prayer. And it was so cool because after service, I'm up praying for some In fact, I was up praying for another guy who, who was newer to the church, was in prison, was addicted to drugs. Now he's bringing his family to church. He said, I'm, I'm, he's going through some stuff and he's clean and sober and God's moving in his life. And, and he actually shared Jesus. He's sharing that, man, I'm going to church now. God's changed my life and I'm loving it. It's amazing. And a friend of his who lives in Whitefish heard about his change. And he texted him because the guy comes up and he's like, hey, I just wanted to shake your hand and say, thank you. I'm like, bro, are you the guy who received Jesus today? And he said, I loved it. He wasn't like, yeah, you know, he was like, yes, I am. (laughs) And I gave him a high five, we're high fiving. And I'm like, bro, tell me about your story. And he said, well, Pastor Lance, he said, I heard about my friend getting touched by God and going to church and I woke up this morning and something in me just said, I wanna go to church today. And so I texted him, and the other guy, he's standing there, he's like, yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. He's like, this dude and I, we used to party together, shoot up together, I couldn't believe he texted me and said he wanted to come to church. So I told him what church time it was. He said, I came, <clears throat> it's the very first time I've been in church. And he said, I know God touched my, beaming, glowing. His face was glowing, you could see the presence of God all over him, joy was filling him, peace was coming into his heart. It was amazing, and I see, he said, yeah, He was thinking for a minute. He said, 23 days ago, I was strung out on heroin. And today I'm here, gave my life to God, man. And come on, that's something to celebrate. Because somebody's willing to share Jesus. And let me tell you something, you got to understand part of your purpose is if God touched your life, you've got a testimony. You've got a testimony. You've got something to share. And people need to hear the story about how God has changed your life. It will change other people's life. What else do we know? We know that you're supposed to be part of a church. You can't get away from that. I know, you know, being in Eureka, I was joking around with them. Like, I know y'all are Lone Rangers. You got your cabin up here in the woods and you moved up here. You got your food stock and your guns and you don't want anybody to bother you. But I'm telling you, you're called to be a part of a church. That's how, that's God's design. You're in this body and the body isn't complete without you. It's kind of like, you know, I know oftentimes we look at the outside of the body, like we look at people like me and the worship team that by the way did an amazing job leading us into worship this morning. And we we look at the external things, but you know what? You can't I've never had somebody say, Hey, Pastor Lance, that's a good looking kidney you got. Like you can't see the internal parts and right now there's people serving in kids ministry there's people praying for you right now as we're having this service there's people making coffee there's people behind the scenes that are running the slides so you can enjoy that and see the scriptures and the points that are coming up and and oftentimes we think one's better than the other i tell those guys hey we're a preaching team we're preaching this message together you're a part of this with me you're a part of a body you're a part of a family the family of god You're not supposed to do life on your own. There's no solos in the kingdom of God. It's just not. It's how we grow. What else do we know? We know that you're supposed to serve like Jesus. Come on, you cannot get away from this in the Christian life, yet oftentimes we do. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. He understood part of his purpose wasn't just to go to the cross, but while he was on earth, it was to serve people and to show his people that part of loving God is that you love people and you serve people with your life. Even the night before he was uh, executed brutally and knew it, what was he doing? He wasn't saying, all right, it's my last supper. Y'all feed me. I'm going to kick back my feet, wash my feet. No, he got down on his knees and he washed the feet of the disciples to show them this is the way of love. And yet we miss that oftentimes. So these are things that we know are part of our purpose. But how do we discover what is our specific purpose? And this is where a lot of us get lost. You know, 87% say of church people don't know what their specific purpose is. And I realize, man, we could talk about this for the next six months. But today, what I want to do is I want to give you uh, five five points that I see in the Bible of God using people and calling people into a specific purpose. Are you ready? All right. The first thing that I see in the Bible to help people discover their purpose is this, that you're called from a young age. You're called from a young age. And I I think probably the best example, and there's several, you could look at Samuel was called as a young man doesn't even know the voice of God, but he's trying to sleep. God's calling him. He goes to his mentor, and he's like, you know, I keep hearing these voices, go back to sleep. And then he hears God call him again, go back to sleep. And finally, they recognize that God is calling, he's got a call in this young man's life. And there's something that he wants to speak to him. Jeremiah is probably my favorite example of being called from a young age. Listen, look at this, Jeremiah chapter one, verse four. And the Lord gave me this message. Some translations say this. And the Lord spoke to me. And and this is, um, let me tell you something. This message even is not a silver bullet to help you discover your purpose. It is intended for you to just that begin a journey of discovery. God wants you to step into your story with Him and discover discovering something is a process. But it all begins with the Lord speaking to you. It says, the Lord spoke to me this message and look what he said, this is so important. He said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. This is why we don't believe in abortion as Christians because we believe the Bible and my Bible says that even though you may not have been planned by your parents, God planned you. You've been planned. I mean, even even this, this scripture here, look what it says. I knew you, in fact, that word knew also could be translated, I chose. God knew you and chose you when? When you were in your mother's womb? No, before you were even formed. That means God had you in mind even before you were conceived. And he had a plan for you. He had a purpose for you. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. So he knew you and then he shaped you. His hand and DNA and fingerprints are all over you. And it's why even as a young age, I believe there's a scripture that says God has planted eternity in the hearts of men. Do you remember when we were kids? Remember how we would play cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, put on the fireman's hat, get all dressed up? Maybe that was just me in my childhood because my mom's an actress and she would give me outfits to dress up in, I don't know. But but I know that for a lot of us, when we were young, there was dreams in our heart. There were things that we just felt passionate to do. And if you notice something, when we were young, oftentimes it was, it was we wanted to do something to help other people. It wasn't even a selfish dream or it wasn't a, a selfish idea. But there was something innately in you that you were born with, that you were created for. And oftentimes at a young age, we have a sense of what that might be. And, and actually there are times if, you're, if you grew up in the church where God will speak to you a word and he'll start telling you. And, and it amazes me sometimes. I'm not one of them, but I, I have pastor friends who like say, you know, like I knew from the time I was six years old, I was supposed to be a preacher. And I'm like, well, God bless you, brother. It took me 42 years. But, um, (laughs) but you know what I mean? It's like, which leads me to, to my next point, which is oftentimes we may not know from a young age or maybe we do, but we're not exactly sure what that is. And so we discover our purpose progressively, progressively, This is the journey of walking with God and the pursuit of discovering our specific purpose. This this is my story. I knew that God had something for me, even in my teenage years, but I didn't know specifically what that was. In fact, when I was in high school, uh, there was this man that God used in my life in a significant way. He was a Christian counselor. My dad started going to this Baptist church, and, you know, he dragged me with him. And I went because there was this really cute worship leader um, that I was interested in dating. And by the way, I did date her. And so the moral of the story is, young people, if you are trying to find a wife, church is the place to come. No, just kidding. She wasn't my wife. She isn't my wife. But... It got me to church. <laughs> my wife's like, wait a minute, you've got a second wife here? No, we're, we are not of that faith. <laughs> just to be clear, this isn't the housewives, of, no. anyway. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it got me to church, that's my point. And sometimes God will use things <laughs> to get you to church. And so um, this, this man, he, there was just something that he said, he called me out of the blue one day and he said, hey, I see something in you. And what he saw was he, the heart of God opened his eyes to see there was something in me that God wanted to draw out of me. But he also noticed that I was, I was damaged. I had a lot of wounds, I've been hurt. And he could see it in me. And he said, listen, I, I would love to counsel you for free just to be a blessing to you and to help you. And I started meeting with him And God started healing the brokenness in my life. And what I believed is God was using him to prepare me to receive Christ because it would be a year later that I would receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And the very first inclination when I got saved and surrendered my life to Jesus was I wanted to be that guy for somebody else. I wanted to help people the way he helped me. I wanted to see things in people that... I couldn't see just naturally, but by the very spirit of God, I could see inside of people and call those things out of them. I had no idea I would be standing here before you today and this would be part of God's purpose for my life. But if you would have asked me, I would have said, if you would have said, hey, what's your purpose in life? I would say, man, you know, I don't really know, but here's what I know. I know that God has called me to help people find freedom in their lives so that they could fully step into the fullness of who they were created to be in Christ. I didn't know I would become a pastor as a result of that, and so it's just been a progressive, as God, which kind of leads me to the next thing. But I, I want to show you something because when you see, when you read about the accounts of people in the Bible, like David, for example, and there's others. There's there, there's other other um, examples in the Bible of progressively stepping into who God has called you to be but I think David is one of the best examples because listen do you realize that that David was anointed king over Israel and then he got sent back to being a shepherd and it and and if you let if you think about this for a minute it could have really messed David up it actually could have pulled him out of his purpose because he thought man I don't know if that prophet was right. He might have had some bad pizza or something. What was up with that? You know, he anointed me king, but I didn't have nobody put some slippers on my feet. I didn't have nobody feeding me grapes. Where's my harem? You know, where's my palace? I got no throne. What's the deal? I'm back with the sheep. And oftentimes God will test our hearts because he will give you a word and speak to you. Part of your destiny, part of your purpose. But then he'll put you back out in the wilderness for a season. To see, do do you believe the word of God? Will you stand on the word of God? And will you progressively pursue me as you're trying to figure out all that I have for you? It would be, most scholars believe, almost 15 years before David would finally step into the throne and be placed, appointed as king. He was anointed, but there's a difference between the anointing, the word, and the appointment. And look at this in 1 Chronicles 14, too, When David actually got installed as king, look what he said. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had greatly blessed his kingdom. For who? His sake? No. See, God never calls you to do something for a purpose just for your own sake. Yes, there's a blessing in it that you receive, but the blessing is never just for you. It's for the blessing of the people around you. The people that God has put you over, that you're leading. But I love that David realized 15 years and David's like, God, what are you doing? I'm running for my life. You you said I'm king. You gave me a purpose and then I don't know what's going on. I'm running for my life. I'm experiencing like, anxiety at one point they thought he was mad you know and he was putting on he was acting doing all this crazy stuff his men turned on him they were going to kill him he's he's dealing with discouragement and disappointment actually and the holy spirit just reminded me that some of you are here and you've given up on your purpose because of disappointment because you haven't seen it come to pass and you've been disappointed which oftentimes leads to disillusionment, and some actually fall away from following Jesus because they're like, God, where are you? You told me to do this, and I don't see you doing what you told me you were gonna do. So I'm, I'm disappointed, and I'm disillusioned, and we just start going our own way because we lose vision. David, in the middle of everything he went through, he never stopped believing God. Now, don't get me wrong. He questioned God. Read the Psalms. But he never doubted God's word over his life. He always came around to, God, I trust you. You're my hope. I don't see what you're doing in my life right now. I don't feel it. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand all this that is happening to me, but I choose, choose to trust you. That is faith. That is faith at work. And let me get to tell you, if you're gonna discover your purpose, you're gonna go through some things. And actually understand that everything that you've experienced in your life, oftentimes God will use the good, the bad, and the ugly to shape in you your purpose. I was remembering um, there's this lady named Candy Leitner. And in 1980, she tragically lost her 13-year-old daughter in a car accident to a drunk driver. And I can't imagine... The amount of pain and loss that she went through. And, and yet, in situations like that, God gives us a choice. Are you going to get bitter or are you going to get bolder? Are you going to get bolder in your faith that you know, in spite of something not good happening, that my God is good. He's good all the time and I will not waver off it. What, what's happening right now is not good. And by the way, God doesn't say it's good. But I get bolder on the fact of Romans 8, 28, that I know that God works all things, the good, the bad, and ugly for good, for my good according to his purpose. There's a purpose that God has even in your pain that if you will let him and allow him, he'll take your pain and turn it around for good. This lady, Candy Leitner, she decided I'm not gonna get bitter. I'm gonna get bolder. And she started this organization called MAD, stands for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And now, even though her daughter's precious life was taken from her, she has been used by God to save hundreds of thousands of lives because she was bold in understanding you have a choice. Are you gonna get bitter or are you gonna get bolder? I know that God has some, listen, this is what the enemy will try to take you out. He knows the purpose and the plan of God for you. He may not know it specifically, but he just knows that when you surrender your life to God, now the potential that lies within you to make a difference is unbelievable. And so he will come at you. Look at the life of Joseph. Gives him this dream as a young boy. And, and, you know, as a young man, not really smart, but he tells his brothers, and you know the story. His brothers throw him in a pit, he should have been dead enemy tried to take him out. Number one, what happens next? He finally gets out. He's sold into slavery. He becomes a a servant in in the house of a high ranking official in Egypt. And he gets promoted. He gets promoted. Things are starting to look up. Things are starting to look up. And all of a sudden, uh, his wife, this leader's wife now makes a pass at him. He doesn't respond and she doesn't like it. So she falsely accuses him. And what happens? He has another setback. He gets thrown in jail. Could you imagine what Joseph was going through his mind? God, he gave me this dream. Where are you in the middle of all this? And now he's in jail and he doesn't get bitter. Instead, he gets bolder. And when he's in jail, he has these two other guys and he he gets a God, they, they have a dream from God and he's there to interpret their dream and be used for a purpose to help them. And then you know what? He says, don't forget about me when you are free and in the king's palace. And guess what happens? You forget about him. And he's stuck in jail. Too many of us, you feel like you're stuck in jail. Like you know God has a purpose for your life. You know there's been prophetic words spoken over your life. God has spoken to you through his scripture. He's spoken to your spirit and you feel just trapped. And let me tell you, in the middle of that, you have a choice. Are you going to get bitter? Are you going to become disillusioned? Or are you going to become bolder that I don't get what's happening, but what I get is that God has a plan and a purpose for my life, and I don't care what you throw at me, devil, I ain't going to stop the will of God for my life. And you got to have almost a holy grid about you. And you're not going to be deterred, you're not going to be delusioned, disillusioned, you're going to continue to be determined. Because oftentimes your history will determine your destiny. And the things that you've gone through, God will use and turn them around for good. Yes. Amen? The, second, the third thing goes hand in hand with the second thing. The second thing, progressively God will show you. But it goes along with this third point, and that is opportunity. That God will open doors before you and we, this is why your relationship with Jesus is so important and the help of the Holy Spirit in this process. You can't do it without him. And, and there's a scripture in Revelation where it says that God can open doors that no man can open and will close doors that no one can shut. Sometimes God will put a God opportunity right in front of you and you have to understand that God is opening this door. It's an opportunity for me, and I just need to have the faith and obedience to step through it. And, and this is where we can get stuck sometimes. Do you, under, do you know that there's two words, Greek words for time in the Bible? The first one is chronos, and that literally means time. Like right now it's a certain time, and time is ticking. Chron- chronological, it's where we get the word chronological time from. It means chronos. But there's a second Word for time in the Bible, it's the word kairos. And that word is different from chronos in that it means there's an opportune time, like there is a God appointed window of opportunity given to you in a season, and it is your responsibility with the help of the Holy Spirit to recognize. God is opening this door, and I don't know what's on the other side of it. In fact, I'm a little bit scared to step into it. It's too big for me. It's scary. I don't know what's there. It's a little bit dark, but in faith, I choose to trust God that if he's opening this door, he's going to be on the other side of it, and I'm going to step through it. And here's the thing. Here's how the progression and the opportunities work together. There are some things that God wants to lead you into, that if you don't step into that door in that opportunity, he can't lead you to the next door. It takes your faith and obedience to say yes, God, and step out in faith through that door. And then God meets you on the other side of that and actually gives you the grace, the supernatural empowerment to take the next step. And you see that? God opens one door, I step into it, And his grace comes on me. Key point, you've got to get this. The grace isn't on you until you step through the door. And this is the problem why a lot of us don't step through it. We want to feel ready to step through that door. We want to feel God's empowerment to step through that door before we step through it. So a lot of us are just standing here waiting. All right, God, I'm waiting for you to give me the strength. Give me the grace. Let me feel like I can step through that door. And we never do because we don't feel it. And God says, if you would just obey me and trust me that if you take that step of faith through that door, I'm on the other side of it. And my grace is sufficient for you in the middle of your weakness and in the middle of your limitations, in the middle of your flaws, I am already there and I am preparing a way for you. But you gotta be willing to step out in faith in that opportunity. Look at this is all through the Bible. You see it when Jesus comes to the disciples, Now, you gotta believe that the disciples, God, he doesn't force people. I believe in destiny, but I believe in a destiny where God can look down the corridor of, of history and into the future and see the people who choose him. But you and I have a free will choice. And he came to the disciples and look what he said. He said, he called to them, he called them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. I love this. Two things I love about it. Number one is he gave them an opportunity to follow him. It was an open invitation. I'm opening the door. You want to come follow me? In that Kairos moment, they had a choice, just like you and I have a choice. Well, and and here's what we do. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. Uh, I got to make my T-chart. I got to do the pros and cons and I got to figure out, you know, and try to calculate, do I have enough resources to be able to leave my job and to follow you? What will my wife think? Uh, What will my parents think? What will people think if I just No, they had a moment, a window of opportunity where they got to choose. And I love that it says, my Bible says they dropped their nets and immediately followed Jesus. And there was a grace on them to follow him. But look at what he does. See, this is where we get mixed up too. It's like, where do I start? I'm going to leave my job. No, he takes who they already are and he uses it for kingdom purposes. He said they were fishermen. He's inviting them to come follow him. Why? Because he wants to take their vocation, what they're good at, what they're experienced in. And he says, I'm going to use that for my purposes to win many to faith in me. I'm going to turn you into fishers of men not just to make money off catching fish. And so you'll find in your life that God will use some of your experiences. He'll he'll use your passion and he'll just take you and he'll use it for his kingdom purposes, but you got an opportunity. Look at Esther, Esther 414. Esther was, uh, you know, had this opportunity to uh, make a difference for the Jewish people, and yet she had a choice. She said, for, listen, this is Mordecai, her Uncle Mordecai talking to her. For if you remain silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place. It doesn't mean if you don't step into that opportunity, you're you're disqualified. It just means that God's purposes are going to be served. And if you don't step into it, he'll raise somebody else up to step into it. You might get another chance, but it's not Now. God's got to do some stuff in you. He's got to work his character in you. He, you got to build up your faith. But look what he says here. This is so important. He says, since, he says this also, and who knows whether you have attained royalty for such a time as this. For this very purpose. Who knows for such a time as this if God hasn't placed you in that school? Who knows if for such a time as this God hasn't put you at that job? Who knows for such a time as this, if God didn't appoint you to be a teacher, to make a difference in the school. For such a time as this, there's an opportunity. Uh, The fourth thing is this, God encounters. God will use God encounters to speak to you and to show you that he's got some, this this is why we believe in youth camp so much. Because I believe that young people need to experience and encounter God for themselves. I know this better than anybody as a pastor. My prayer continually for my kids is that they're not living off their parents' faith. They've got to establish their own faith. And yet, when you get away with God at youth camp for four four days, Undoubtedly, every single one of my kids have encountered God there. God spoke to him. I'll never forget, today is my son Blake's 19th birthday. Shout out to you, buddy. I know he's here somewhere. I love you, proud of you. But I'll never forget, my wife and I showing up to youth camp and God had just spoke something to my son Blake, powerful, part of his destiny and purpose was in the word of the Lord for him. And, and he's sitting down. Everybody else is up, up front and he's sitting down and he's writing in his journal furiously. God spoke to him, writing down what God spoke. You and I need those God encounters. That's why I, I don't, that's why even before I was a pastor, I never missed church. I want to have a moment just like we had in worship where God is moving powerfully and there's a word of the Lord that comes, God wants to do something specifically for you, you're struggling with anxiety, let's have an encounter with God. One encounter with God can change everything. And so we wanna try to create opportunity and an environment where you can encounter the reality of God and God can speak to you. Look at the life of Paul. Paul was heading in the opposite direction of his purpose, actually condemning and killing Christians. And God sovereignly met him on the road to Damascus, knocked him off his donkey, and a light shone from heaven, and God spoke to him and gave him direction. I was trying to be good, y'all are laughing, but I'm trying to be good, okay? Let's move on. And a light shone from heaven, and God clearly speaks to him and says, go here, I've got something for you. He has that God encounter. The last thing is this, is that God formed you in your mother's womb. He shaped you. There's a shape about your life. And I love Rick Warren. He's got a a great acronym for shape that I want to share with you because I think this is helpful. This is actually why as a church, we're committed to helping you discover your specific purpose. And we have a class uh, every month on the second Sunday, most months, uh, that's called Discover and we give you different assessments to help you discover your specific purpose. But this, this word for shape, this idea that we, we are clay in the potter's hand, and that if you trust in the sovereignty of God to know that God will use everything in your life to shape you, to form you. And so I wanna give you this acronym real quick. And it's this, S in shape stands for your spiritual gifts. Now, spiritual gifts are a supernatural ability to do something that you could not do in your natural ability. And God has given everyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the very spirit of God in you. That means you've been spiritually gifted. There's something that God specifically, spiritually gifted you. And I'm so grateful for the spiritual gifts that flow in this house. Just like this morning, uh, somebody got a word from the Lord and we did, and we prayed for some of you. We believe in the spiritual gifts in this house and we believe that you can operate, know those gifts, discover them, exercise them, and operate in them. And we need it by the way. We need the gift that's in you to be complete. The second thing, H stands for heart. Heart is just the passions that God has put in you. That there's, there's some of you, you're just, you're passionate. Like when I talked about the, the biblical citizenship, something in you is like, oh man, that fires me up, Pastor Lance. I get so pumped about that. Well, there's a reason for that. God puts something in you that you're passionate. It's a God dream. It's a God passion. And we need to understand what those passions are. Number three, A, stands for abilities. These are natural giftings, natural abilities. The things that you're just naturally good at. That God just, we like, we have this little saying, we say in the Discover class, or the blonde class rather, that you may not be a 10 in everything, but you're a 10 in something. There's something that God just made you really good at. And that's part of how you're shaped to do, to live for a purpose every day. The P stands for your personality. And God has given you your personality and you need to understand what that personality is and a lot of people don't. Part of our Discover classes, we give you a Myers and Briggs personality assessment just so you can see with every personality type, here's the thing, there are good traits, but there's a shadow side to your personality type. And even understanding what that is, man, it'll even revolutionize your marriage. But you need to understand how God formed you and your personality. The last thing is E, which stands for experience. All the experiences you've gone through, the good, the bad, the ugly, the painful, the good things, the jobs that you thought were dead end, deadbeat jobs, times in your life where you just felt like this is a wasted season. God was using every single season in your life to shape you. The problem is too many of us limit the purpose of God in our life. We allow limitations to get in the way of our purpose. Jeremiah almost made this mistake. And I think this is where a lot of us fall. It's like, Pastor Lance, I hear you, but you don't know my weaknesses. You gotta get to the place where you you undoubtedly know. Just like Paul came to the conclusion, when he saw his own thorn in his flesh, he saw his own limitations. The word weakness in the Bible actually is congruent with limitations and he saw the weakness in him and he said, God, you got to take this weakness away because I can't do what you've called me to do with this. And God says, no, 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 you're missing the point, Paul. Can I tell you some of you, you're missing the point. He said, my power is made perfect in your weakness. When Paul got it, he said, oh, I'm gonna embrace my weaknesses now because it's an opportunity for the power of God to work in my life in spite of my limitations. This is Jeremiah's response when God called him. And I think we can relate to this. He said, oh, sovereign Lord, appreciate the shout out, but it's a problem. I said, I can't speak for you. I can't do what you've, you're calling me to do because I'm too young. I got limitations. I don't know enough Bible. I haven't been saved long enough. I haven't been in the church long enough. I haven't gone to enough Bible studies. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too skinny, I'm too fat. I, I, I don't know how I can do what you've called me to do. And look at God's response. You got to get this. The Lord replied, don't you dare say you're too young. What's your don't say? What is it that God would say to you this morning that you've been saying that you've been taking yourself out of the purpose of God? Don't you say for a minute you're too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And here's the key, and don't be afraid. And this is part of the problem. Too many of us, we're afraid, and we never step into the things that God has for us because we're afraid of people, we're afraid of what what people are gonna think about us, or you're one of those Jesus freaks now, and we, we let it stop us. But you have to realize something, that when you're willing to step out in faith, God says, Just like he said to Jeremiah, I will be with you and I'll protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then this is is the coolest part. It says, then the Lord reached out and he touched my mouth. It says, look, I've put my words in your mouth. So you can't do this without a touch from the Lord. See, we overestimate our limitations and we underestimate the grace of God. And I believe that as we close this morning, the Lord actually wants to reach out and touch you in that place of weakness. He's saying to some of you, my grace is sufficient for you. I'll end with this short story. I remember as a kid, in New York City, growing up just outside New York City in Yonkers, uh, once a year at Madison Square Garden, they would have Barnum and Bailey Circus come to town. And I would go every year, they would give students a discount and sometimes we'd go with our class. And I remember going to the circus and just, you know, being blown away. But one of the things that just struck me so much were these huge elephants that had all this power and they were doing these tricks that they were trained to do. And and they weren't like taking anybody out, killing them, trying to get out of the tent, run out of here. No, they just followed their trainer and did what they did. And I, I did some research on that because it kind of just messed with my mind. How is it that these big, powerful animals just came under the submission of their trainer and learned to do these things? And I, I was reading a story about how they would train elephants. And it started when they were really young. They would take a, a stake, a big, long, three foot stake, and they would pound it into the ground and they would tie rope around the leg of the elephant and they would tie it to that stake. And so every time that they would try to, try to move forward, the stake would just, it would grab their heel and they wouldn't be able to get out of it. He said, after, after a year or so of them trying to get loose, trying to get loose, trying to break free, trying to step into, you know, how they were made, they were limited. And so after a while, they just stopped trying. And they gave up. And they just allowed the idea that I've got limitation. I can't fully be who I'm made to be, I can't be free. And I share that story with you because I believe that for a lot of us in the room, we've stopped trying, we've given up. We've allowed things that have happened in our past, struggles, sin, hurt, wounds, things that people said, failures, weakness, to limit us pursuing God. And I believe God wants us come along and cut the rope and set some of you free today. Come on, will you close your eyes as I pray for you? I wanna start by praying for those of you, maybe you're here today. In the beginning of discovering your purpose is discovering the fact that God has called you. He sets you apart. And the beginning of your journey of discovery is that you surrender your life to God You've been trying to live life apart from God. And really you'll never know who you are until you realize whose you are. So for you, it begins with saying, Pastor Lance, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to come into relationship with him. I want to become a Christian. I want to follow God with my life. And If that's you here today, eyes are closed. I just want you to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Lance, that's me. I want to follow Jesus with my life. I want to surrender my life to him. If that's you and you're here, just slip up your hand. Nobody else is looking around. It's between you, God, and me. But this is an important decision. And we're gonna have a prayer team up here, ministry team ready to minister to you at the end of service. For those of you that are here, and you're already a follower of Jesus, but you've struggled, you've struggled to find your purpose, discover it, bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And you would say today, Pastor Lance, I, I'm ready to step out in faith and discover all that God has for me to embrace it. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Come on, hands up all over. Father, right now, I pray for those, your children that you knew, that you chose, that you formed, even in their mother's womb before they were born. God, you had a specific destiny and purpose for them. Father, right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you just begin to move in their life, speak to them, God, give them the grace and the faith that they need to step into the doors of opportunity. And I pray that you would give them the courage to be obedient to your call and to recognize it's you're opening a door that you have for him of purpose in Jesus' mighty name.